0: Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Keith Foster. I write the comics Kadoja, Three Protectors, and the upcoming Animals, and I am a managing partner at Invader Comics. And I'm Scott Loss, the
1: creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wonders in Melisanda for the Accidental Aliens and the upcoming Project
0: Paradise Hills. Yeah, and if you didn't figure it out, we're in the same fucking room right now.
1: Hell yeah! Yeah,
0: yeah, we are are in the same room because we are recording this after the first day of WonderCon, after the Friday, and so um, I guess in in the spirit, before we get to, we're going to talk a little bit about day one of WonderCon, and then we're going to talk about a couple of things we did this week, and then get to the main topic, but before we do that, maybe we should just try to rate all of the beers we had today, can you remember them all? Oh no? shoot,
1: yeah, it was like, had uh, it was Mother Earth Company, yeah. uh, Milk Truck, yeah. And it was talk about all the beers, not rate them.
0: Mocha, mocha, nitro stout. Yes, Firestone Walker. That Uh was yours. And then I had a pale ale from um, I can't remember what it's called, but it was it's one of the ones from um, Lazy Dog. Mm -hmm. And then I also had a Firestone Walker 805. Right, that was the stuff I had earlier. And now we are currently enjoying some pretty nice pours of Bullet Bourbon. As we uh, as we do the thing, so uh, so yeah. And this is one that you've had on the pod before. You've talked about this is the
1: tall bottle, right? The honker, yeah. Yeah, All right, so so I get to experience this for the first time.
0: Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's good. Pretty smooth. It's it's smooth. Yeah, it's it's not it's not as smooth as like the smoothest, bestest bourbons out there. Yeah, but it's real good. And this is the one I think I talked about where like for the money. Yeah, this is this is this is much better than it's that's very cheap price. You, again, you can buy the honking bottle for like forty bucks almost anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Like fucking Target, you know, Costco, um, Total Wine, Bevmo around here in Southern California. So anyway, we go we gonna be sipping on this. Yeah, and um, so let's start with uh, just our thoughts from day one at WonderCon. Right, we're one day in. Obviously, we have no idea how this is going to end. And uh, Go ahead. You go first, man. What yeah, would you say? So,
1: okay. So, number one, Mother Earth Brewing Company Milk Truck. Yeah. I think I have rated that as an 8 mm-hmm. or maybe even an 8.5 last mm-hmm. time. Same rating. It was a little cold today, so the stouts were very on point. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it, so it's still the same rating for that. And as far as that uh, um, uh, Mocha one that I got, was it Firestone as well? Yeah. Yeah, the Mocha Firestone, it was solid. I would give that a 7.5. Okay. So just a little bit under. Okay. I liked it, but just a little bit under. It had kind of like a, a Mexican chocolate yeah, flavor right. to it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, those are pretty solid. Okay. So, but overall, my, my impression... Oh, how about you? What did you... Think uh, my,
0: my Lazy Dog Pale was uh, a 7. I mean, I liked it as far as pales go. Yeah. Um, and the... I mean, Firestone Walker 805 is just a very frequently drank beer so i mean i think it's it's a 6.5 it's a 7 i mean it's a, it's a good solid beer Um, It's the kind of beer where if you go to a bar with limited selection and you're going to go to these kind of places, great choice. You know, it's there are times if you go to like a sushi restaurant or something, it might be the best beer on the menu because everything else is just lagers. You know, and lagers and sushi are the shit. Yes. But maybe just maybe you're not in the mood for that and you want something just a touch different. So, yeah, man, 805 is, is solid, really good beer. Six and a half, seven, something like that.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so my impressions of the show, this was my first time doing small press mm-hmm. in at WonderCon specifically. Uh, the Accidental Aliens, we usually frequent small press when we're doing San Diego. so. But this was my first with, with uh, WonderCon specifically, and man, it is different than San Diego, let me tell you. The foot traffic is not great. It's not a great thing, and honestly, I think it's based on setup. The location of small press, to me, really just doesn't make sense. Um, It's on the complete opposite end of Artist Alley. And so I don't know if the the logic behind it is like, okay, well, we'll give fans two destinations to go to if they're looking for comic books. Mm -hmm. That's not how it works out. Like, everyone on that side of it, it's a dead zone except for usually the Funko booth. Mm -hmm. And so, like, logically what makes the most sense is small press being right next to Artist Alley. Because it's like, okay... Well, here are the makers of the comics, and here are the comics itself. Like, why are they so separated? It just doesn't make sense to me. And when you have those booths, like, that are, you know, T-shirts and toys and stuff like that, like, all the merchandise can be on the Funko side. Why Why are right. those separated doesn't make sense. Right. So, if you want a T-shirt, you're going to travel to go get that T-shirt, mm-hmm. whereas fans might not even know where the com- all the comics are because they're so spread out. It's yeah. just doesn't make sense
0: they should they could definitely uh stand to use grocery store logic right like grocery stores know you're here for the milk Mm -hmm. that's why it's such a fucking long walk right like they're making you walk for that stuff what they want to do is get you through as many you know other higher margin things or whatever uh, to get to the milk and yeah so i'm right there with you you know i i've always questioned why the why the small press is where it is again for for a table that's more expensive than Artist Alley, yeah. You would you're surprised that it's at the far end, you know, and it's it's been that way forever since I attended WonderCon and I was not even thinking of doing comics if I remember right. So, yeah, it's
1: just it,
0: just such a weird choice. Yeah, and I wonder if they've
1: had anyone talk to them about it because yeah, it just
0: doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean the the thing that made up for that is. Um, I think I think we both did pretty pretty okay for a day one. I yeah. Think very very nice day ones. You know. I uh, again, as as far as I remember, I don't have much of a memory of last year's WonderCon when I did it, but I'm pretty sure I did better at half a table today than than I did with a whole table last year mm-hmm. uh, when it was a little quieter. But but both years, the crazy thing about WonderCon, the good thing about small press is you get a much higher hit rate. You know, like, a lot of people that stopped by did end up, did end up, like, getting books or or at least talking, but it just, there feels like a much higher conversion rate there than there are at other shows. But as a result, you know, like, I told you when the day was over, I'm like, if I looked, if if you asked me how I did today, I would have thought I did much worse than I did because it felt like I wasn't talking to anybody, you know, like, it wasn't, it wasn't much activity, but... I think a good amount of the activity kind of capitalized on being there and ended up, you know, wanting books and stuff like that. So,
1: yeah, yeah. My experience was uh, vibe wise, feel wise, I would say the exact same thing. The amount of conversations we had in the foot traffic that hit our tables I wouldn't have believed I did as well as I did on that first day if I didn't count it. Mm-hmm. You know, like if if you just asked me how much I made today, yeah. it, it would have been marginally less. Yeah. Um, but I did have those situations where where you sold a lot of books, I sold a lot of prints. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I only sold five comics and you know a couple of trades, three single issues, four single issues, something like that. And so, th- for me, that's a little disappointing because we're literally in small press where the target fan base are people there looking for comic books. Mm -hmm. And what I got was a lot of art sales Mm -hmm. and like, Hey, money is money and that's all great. But at the same time, it's like, I'm not an artist alley because I wanted to sell more books, but I'm still selling more art. And so it's kind of like, ah, like, all
0: right, you know, I'll take the cash, but that's not exactly what I was here for. Yeah, I, it is It is worth noting, I was just thinking about this, <clears throat> that we did have a couple fun, pleasant things happen involving the podcast yeah. today, mm-hmm. right? Um, our We had a our, our booth, the guy Two Booths Over listens to the podcast, and I thought that was awesome, yeah. right? Um, and then uh, what else? And then we had a couple other people. We had a person or two that knew you yeah. and started talking to you, and then I think they heard me, and they're like, is this the dude that does the podcast with you? Yeah. And then a buddy or two of mine did the exact same thing. Like, oh my god, you're the guy! And like, they didn't know that until they heard us start talking. Right. It's it's, it's hilarious to kind of have that. They don't even think about it, and then you hear us talk, and you're like, where have I heard this before? It's like, oh shit, you're the other guy on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: yeah. yeah shout outs to uh, uh I believe is Dope Cat, right? Uh, yeah, Dope yeah. Cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dope Cat. Yeah, yeah, he was cool. Um. And uh, uh, he really enjoyed the pod. He actually, uh, picked up a couple of our books, so we appreciate yeah. that. You know, we talk about it on the pod. We we don't get paid to do the pod, and the way you do that is pick up our books. So he yeah. did that. That was sick. Uh, we really appreciate it.
0: And uh, yeah, he's doing quite well. So, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, man! It's great to see all the other indie creators just kind of out here in the world, right?
1: So, yeah, definitely.
0: Um, but hey, with that, let's uh, let's get to some of the stuff we did last week. So, what was the first thing that you did?
1: Um, I started back up on on Paradise Hills. So, it was, you know, I took a little break. I was doing something else. I probably should have started with that, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, so, I was working on something else throughout the week, and it kind of took up a lot of my brain space and my time, uh, but I was able to hop back to Paradise Hills and work out on a few pages or, like, a few panels on a page, and it's moving very well. I think there's just one element that I'm I'm trying to remember. Oh, I know exactly what it is. It's a vehicle. So there's a particular vehicle that I want to draw. And I wasn't able to find this vehicle at this certain angle like online. So the page is pretty much done except for one panel that needs that vehicle. And then that one's done. So I was really happy with the progress on that page. Mm -hmm. And everything was just moving along. And I think taking those breaks from uh, the story and just kind of doing other things than hopping back to it has really refreshed my, uh, my enjoyment of working on the story
0: specifically, and it kind of just gives me fresh eyes when I'm tackling it. Okay. So, I mean, it turned out that all of that walking away worked, right? Yeah. It wasn't, you know, because the, the question in the back of my head, I think as we've talked about it in the past couple weeks is, you know, I, I did this recently too, and that's the novel I'm not working on anymore. You know, so yeah, it's kind of yeah. like, you know, it was, it was a stray thought that circled I mean, not that I, not that I ever really legit considered it, but if you had had a few more of these, it might've been like, are you sure you want to work on this story? So right, it yeah. is good that it's, it was just about getting that proper distance, that proper space mm-hmm. away, taking the right number of, of laps away from it yeah. so that you can come back to it and actually be engaged with it again. Yeah.
1: It, it's just a matter like, Hey, we're practicing what we're preaching, right? Like we tell you guys like, Hey, you write the script or draw this thing, and and if it's not feeling right, take a step away. You know, I did that, and it was just the proper amount of time to get away from it and do other things that allowed me to hop back on board, Mm -hmm. and just seeing
0: with fresh eyes, and it's just, it's flowing, it's flowing now. Yeah, that's awesome, that's awesome. Um, So yeah, for me, the first thing I did this week was something that I had to wait for the right circumstance to do, which is um, I finally recorded the third track to the Kadoja soundtrack that's going with the Kickstarter. So the first two tracks I have, and when I talk about tracks, it's just like the basic tracks, right? So the hardest obstacle for me to get over is recording the guitars. Mm. Because, and this is not going to turn into a music podcast, guys. But for me, I insist on my guitars traveling through air. Right? So there's this there's this idea of you can go direct in, DI, and record guitars that way, but, like, I think they sound bad, right? Like, if, okay. but if you record a guitar coming out of an amplifier with a microphone, it has to travel through air. And that's where you just get the richness of guitars, especially to me when you're talking about metal. So um, so I I made an arrangement, like, with my wife. I was like, when are you going to be out of the house? You know, and she said this thing, and I was like, okay, that works, because I'll record. She's like, why? I'm like, because I want to record, record guitars then. Um, and she didn't remember this, but there have been times in the past, like I used to try to record guitars with them in the house, Mm. and uh, I know that I would do it, and then what would happen is I would record guitars for a while, and they need to be loud. They need to be loud for them to work on a metal level. They don't need to be ear splitting, they just need to be loud. Yeah. And uh, so I would record, and then I'd hit a stop, and then I'd hear like a knock, knock, knock at this studio door, and it would be like, how uh, how much longer are you recording guitars? <laughs> yeah. You know, that kind of thing. So I know that it's best for me to do it in an empty house. I got that opportunity. I laid down the guitars. So now I'm in a much better place because every one of the three songs on, on the Issue 2 soundtrack has the basics in place, and everything else can just be done through headphones if I want. You know, like, I'm probably going to add, like, maybe some intro-outro stuff. I'm going to add some flourishes, some seasoning, the spice, those little things that you put into a track that make them interesting mm. so it's not just a boring, repetitive thing. And, um, and yeah, so I'm happy because that definitely was the thing that was, like, the biggest obstacle. And I know it's technically not making comics, but it is because, you know, I've... I talk so much about making comics, I forget that, like, there is a multimedia component to almost every comic I do. It's like, it's my thing. My thing is that we yeah. do soundtracks to pretty much every book we do. So, um, so I'm glad that I was able to have that. And, again, sometimes you have those. You know, it, was, it was the snakes, right? Like, it yeah. was just this thing of snakes that I had to have the right set of circumstances for. And I'm glad it finally aligned and I got that through. Because now the rest of it, it's still a lot of work but it's much less concerning work because, again, I can just throw on headphones and do everything I need to do now.
1: Right on, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, hey, it's part of your Kickstarter for your comics, so yeah, 100% relates. And that was my second thing, which was working on the Kickstarter. So Second Shift 13 is done. Um, Joaquin has three pages left, I believe, and the issue will be in the can. So after... After I get those pages, everything is completely done. I finished the back cover. I finished uh, the uh, interior cover art. And so it's just a matter of like, okay, counting the pages. What do I need to fill in? Obviously, I have like my generic second shift ad that I can just throw in there. Hey, do you have all of these issues? So it's one of those things where I can just fill it in. It's not a big deal. Um, So overall, that thing's ready to roll. And I do have a cover coming from an artist And uh, that was something I actually did today at Mm -hmm. at WonderCon. I got to talk to him in person. And so there was a bit of miscommunication or lack of communication. And it was just like, is this going to happen? And um, I saw that he was going to be at WonderCon. And so I said, hey, I'll see you there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, saw him in person. And it was just like, hey, what's up, man? Are you ghosting me? And he goes, bro, I promise you I'm not ghosting you. And he was like, put him out. Yeah, yeah. So, and then he left the table and never came back. Yeah, yeah. I never saw him again. No, no. So everything's good now. Um, he's just totally swamped, but uh, he's like, no, bug me, bug me. And just my nature is like, I don't want to bug you, but he's yeah. telling me to do so. So we're straight. It's all good from here on out. And uh, so I'll be I'll be on top of him and making sure he gets that out. And uh, we'll go from there. So, yeah, uh, yeah working on the Kickstarter it takes up so much time. You know, it's just I haven't done one since I think November of, of last year of 2022. Mm. So it's like, or no, is, was that it? feels like it has to be longer than yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's longer than that. Did you do a drawtober last year? I don't think no, I, well, yeah. no, no, I didn't actually. Yeah. yeah, no, you're right. It was It was longer. I think it was like June or July. Yeah. So it's been quite some time since I've done it. And so there's so much more that goes into it. It's just like thinking out your tiers, like what makes sense, and then plus the uh, rising cost of everything. Everything mm-hmm. just costs more now. Yeah. You know, it's like my colorist just raised his rates. Um, uh, I need to talk to my printer to see what his rates are. They were really reasonable before, so I don't know what they are now. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, um, it's just like you have the cost of the Kickstarter and these things, and then like if you're doing cover artists, those prices have gone up. So... Anyway, a lot goes into thinking of how you want to do things. Oh, and shipping! Shipping has gone up. I mm-hmm. just recently sent out some books, and I was like, "Oh, wow, that went up by like a whole dollar." Like Media Mail, yeah. it was just like, "Man, that was the the range was like three fifty to four fifty in the states, like um, in the mainland, and then it raised up from like to around four to five uh, fifty, something mm-hmm. like that." And so it's just like, "Wow, that's a substantial jump." So even the shipping
0: is like, I have to charge more now, mm-hmm. because it's raised across the board. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, look, we, we were going through that with Invader. It's just prices ripple, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and they ripple in ways that like shipping gets more expensive. So we're forced to deal with that in our price setting or artists get more expensive. So we're forced to deal with it in our own way, you know? So yeah, it's, it's just crazy the way that is, you know, but it's just kind of the way it is, you know, with, with prices going up in the United States, the way they are. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I'm going to talk about my second thing. Which is, I don't know, it's a little, I don't know if it's involved or not. The problem is I can't remember how much of this I talked about on last week's podcast, as opposed to how much I just talk about period, right? Okay. And um, so I, not a lot of comic stuff this week, because this is about novel number two, right? In that I got back into it, uh, my work on novel number two. Um, I think actually, I yeah, I got the, the notes back um, on Workshop. Uh, they said it was going in a really good direction. I mean, this was the first set of pages from the second novel. Great to hear that, you know, they liked this stuff. And they had some great notes that, of course, I didn't catch. They were blind spots, so I got to do that. Um, But I want to talk about something specifically that when I was done with my writing on a couple days ago, a couple days ago, I've had this idea for a speculative fiction story a sci-fi story that's kicked around in my head and I'm like I think I really like this idea in fact it started it started as an idea where I just had this idea and then I threw out the idea to Eden you know as kind of like I had this weird idea it's like it'd be like kind of a boring sci-fi story where there's a lot of like talking and talking heads and thinking and stuff like that but here's what I'm thinking blah 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 and then she's like well that's really cool and I'm like yeah okay and then I happened to tell another friend about it, and it was the same thing. It's like, that's really cool. Interesting. And yeah, yeah. And, is and this a comic, or is this a novel, or a short story? It would probably be a, what would we call it, like a, a long-form short story. I, I could okay. see it being about a 40 to 60-page story in okay. prose form, something like that. And, uh, but I, I like the idea. It hasn't gone away. And um so what I did uh, for on on this day when I had already done my regular writing is I went ahead and started it. Oh, now, okay. I haven't gotten back to it because it's definitely one of those when you've done everything else, do it kind of things. But it was really fun to just start that and to have it become a little bit more real and figure out an angle to the story, a character to the story, etc. Um, but that's not really the thing I wanted to talk about about it. That's the setup. The thing I wanted to talk about was this continuation of the idea of like being free to do whatever you want. You know, I mean, that's, it's kind of, again, it's more of a continuation of what we were talking about last week, I think. But, and you've heard this in many versions throughout the day as we've just been bullshitting. It's just, you know, a a variety of reasons have kind of converged on this idea of like really making sure I am doing exactly what I want. Like in the past, I might have refrained from writing this story because I feel like, like, no, I'm a, I'm a horror writer, you know, or, or no, how is that marketable? You know? And it's like, fuck, fuck it. I want to write it. It's not horror and it may not be marketable. I don't care because I want to write it. And, uh, and so we'll see where it goes. And like, I enjoy it again. It, it has, it definitely has some influences in some things that I've been, like, reading recently. Um, and that's how it works, right? You put this stuff on the compost heap, and then you just see what comes out, and God damn it if this wasn't the thing that came out. So, again, it's it's not really anything new, but it's just a redoubling of, I, of what I think I was talking about last week with this idea of just having comfort in doing what you're doing. And, and you know, I think, I think at, in general, we have this... We have these marketing brains these days, right? Yeah. It, it's hard to be online for any time without having like this this idea of like your brand, right? Your personal brand, right? And uh, and and personal brands are fine. Like I get it. We all have personal brands. One way or another, if you're if you're single and you're trying to have, you know make an acquaintance or go on a date with somebody, you you are flexing personal brand right there, right? We could we could go down this rabbit hole forever, but where personal brand can be a problem is where I just said it. Oh, I don't want to write. I I shouldn't write this thing. I want to write because it's not in the scope of my personal brand. Right? Who gives a fuck? Like, like write it. Write it and then worry about making your personal brand fit it later, or do it, draw it, whatever it's going to be, and then worry about that. And that was the idea of what, you know, that was the thing you were saying, right, to recap when we were talking about that. You know, a, a, a writer like Neil Gaiman, who I, who we referenced, you know, in the conversation, because like one of my favorite writers, he doesn't worry about a personal brand, Right. He just writes what he wants. His
1: brand. Is, His brand is being Neil, Neil, Neil Gaiman. You know, right. Stephen
0: King's brand is being Stephen King. Yeah. They, they didn't worry about trying to write all the same shit. They just wrote whatever the fuck they wanted. And then that became their brand because, you know, that, that Neil Gaiman line that he says in the master class that, like, voice voice is what you are even when everything else in your novel changes. Right. Like voice is the part that translates from novel, that carries from novel to novel with you, no matter what the character setting, story, etc. It's always you. Right. You know, so. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was a really cool conversation. And I think that dives into what we're talking about here, because sometimes personal brand can be a bit of a cage and there's no reason for it to be a bit of a cage.
1: Right. and And, you know, I was using artist as an example and. If you have your favorite artist, you will more than likely re- or buy anything that they draw. Mm-hmm. But more than likely, they're going to be drawing in in a style, right? And like you have the choice of going like the artist can just flex and do something completely different. They can do you know a, a young reader like all you know all ages book and you can read it and go yeah this this really isn't my thing i'll just stick to this other stuff but if you allow yourself to work on any kind of project you're not stuck in this in this zone where i'm not allowed to leave it it's just like yeah, i'm not in this box like mm-hmm. i don't only do superheroes i do this i do that you know mm-hmm. and if if you can successfully navigate those areas and just put books out then no one has has the the right to put you in a box mm-hmm. because you are you yourself, you're like, no, I'm doing, so I did capes here and I did a sci-fi thing here. I did a young reader's book over here. Mm-hmm. You know, and like you pick and choose what you want to buy from me, but I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah. And then so it becomes so much less of well, he's a horror writer. Right. No, he's a writer. Yeah. Right. And then like, uh, so he did what he wanted to do or she did what she wanted to do and this artist draws what he wants to draw. Mm -hmm. He's not going to be pigeonholed by what everyone else thinks. Yeah. Do what you want to do and if you stand by it, then there will be
0: people that like it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and and I think for me, if I'm I'm thinking even deeper about this, I think it's because so much of this is, is about my personal journey When I wrote Kadoja, and that was the only thing I did, I'm a giant monster comic writer. Right. But then I did Three Protectors, and now I'm just a comic writer. But at the same time, I was working on a horror novel. So I guess I'm a horror writer now, because I was also writing Animals at the time, issue Mm. one of Animals. And I'm like, well, I'm a horror writer. But then you get to this final piece, and you're like, wait a minute, to your point, like, I'm just a writer, right? Mm. And, And I have my things I love mean shit you know but but that doesn't pigeonhole me one way or another you right. know it reminds me of this cool line I have no idea who said it but it was in some you know hip hop magazine article back in the day and a person was talking about Method Man from the Wu-Tang Clan um, he's hectic he's coming for that headpiece protect it right um, but the person said the thing about Method Man he can rhyme over anything and it'll still be meth he can rhyme over country, and it'll be meth. I just feel like that encapsulates what we're talking about here, right. right? Like, that is, like, and and when you think about it, not all hip-hop MCs are like that. You know, like, I, I imagine most people on the podcast have heard the song Regulate by Nate Dogg and Warren G. Can right. you picture Warren G rapping over anything that is not G-Funk? Right. Probably not. Right. You know, where Method Man... Dude, he can he can rhyme over country. He can rhyme over musical saws. It doesn't matter. It will always be a Method Man track, right. and you know, um, and that's that's what's cool. But at some point too those artists made a choice on how they wanted their boundary to get pushed. You know, Warren G. had probably a watershed moment where he's like, do I try this new thing or do I just keep rhyming over funk? I'm going to keep rhyming over funk. Method Man on his album Cal" where he was like, go actually going solo. He's like, what do I want to do? He's like, fuck it, I'll rhyme over weird shit, you know? And there's, um, God, I can't remember what the song is called, but there's a really weird song over almost like noise, on, uh, on on his his debut record. And yeah. uh, it works. It all works because he pushed that boundary a little bit and then everybody else is like, yeah, that totally works. And then that just creates this universe of possibilities for him as an artist. Yeah,
1: like some of my
0: favorite comic writers
1: are very diverse in what they do. Like Rick Remender, you know, I discovered him on Uncanny X-Force. So I was like, wow, I really like this writing and I really like the artist. It was like Jerome O'Pena. So from there, from that one book... I followed both of the guys to whatever they were doing. Mm -hmm. And Rick Remender, he he was like, he did Black Science, and then he did um, uh, uh, Deadly Class. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he's just real diverse in the things that he does. And not one thing is like the other, it seems. Yeah. And same with Mark Miller. Mark Mm -hmm. Miller, like, he has a really diverse catalog of things that he does. He does, like, old-school sci-fi stuff. but Mm -hmm. He'll do superheroes. He'll do a lot of gore, you know, and and it's just, he's all over the place. And, like, that, to me, that's what makes a good writer. If you're able to just switch it up and, like, kind of be a chameleon when you need to be or want
0: to be, like, Mm -hmm. that's a valuable skill. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, That was your thing. you you were done for the week now, right? Yep, that was it. Okay, Mm -hmm. well, then we should get to our main topic. Our main topic for the week is going to be indie publishing, versus going through a publisher and uh i guess we should set this up that this came from a question from chance edgerly who uh specifically asked for this i think it was like hey guys just want to know your thoughts on like you know indie publishing indie versus um being part of a publisher and uh and so what we wanted to do is just give a couple basics on that for all those people out there that might be um you know, kind of contemplating things like that. Right. And, and we also got a question. We'll bake this question in, and I've already answered him, but I think it's Nicholas Slover. Um, I'll just double-check while we're talking here because yeah. I want to get if the you, name right. Yeah, you look right.
1: that up. So, yeah, Chance had sent an email in and mentioned that uh, Chance's agent said that this next book that they're doing could be picked up by a company like Boom or Image, or like, something like that. It had mm-hmm. some legs. And so... Um, chance expressed like what do we what's the best route here that's it's really exciting and, yeah and my response was congratulations like if if you think this has legs or your agent thinks it has legs to get picked up by a publisher you know that's kind of the dream because mm-hmm. you get a wider audience yeah you know and especially if it's like image comics you got to retain your rights yeah so um you know that's that's a great thing you know like like Self-publishing versus getting picked up by a publisher. For me, one of the larger differences, or one of the major things to look out for, is like creator rights. Mm -hmm. Like that's huge, number one. So if you are going to do a boom, I'm not sure their contract as far as how much percentage they own. uh, But I know Image Comics lets you 100% retain your rights. Mm -hmm. So like for me, that's always been the goal. Like with my books, it's like I want to get picked up by a company like Image or Image itself that would just let me retain my rights and do my thing. Mm-hmm. So, number one, go for it. If, if you could submit and you think yeah, it has a chance, then definitely go for that. Yeah. Um, but as far as the differences go, um, number one is distribution. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're getting published by a publisher, they're going to have a wider range, a wider spread than you would just as you on your own, uh, especially if you haven't maybe developed your fan base yet, and, you know, chances relatively new to the game. Mm-hmm. So I don't imagine the fan base is, is insane or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But just being published by a company like Image Comics, it gives
0: you, like, instant cachet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I th- there's so many thoughts to go through here, right? So I'm just going to do my best to gather them. I think I think one thing... I've, I've heard this kind of thing on the, like, literary author-focused podcasts that i've i've listened to is that let's not forget either that what you're what, what we're all doing is building a career one book could make a career but odds are it's going to be a stepping stone to something else right so um yeah i mean and this kind of goes into the first big difference right which is visibility so you definitely put a check mark in the publisher column for visibility Because they're going to make your shit visible. Number one, it's going to be in previews. So every single comic shop in the country is going to have the ability to order it, which is fantastic. Obviously, the higher profile, the publisher... The more eyes are going to be on it. You know, if you're, if, if Image is that publisher or Dark Horse is that publisher, um, or some of the other ones like Boom that are either in the premium section of previews or at the front anyway, um, then that's going to be a big boon for, um, eyes, right? You're going to have a lot of eyes on your book, so that's very good. Um, other publishers, you know, the further, once you get into that other publisher section where, your friends from invader are as well as uh, a bunch of other great publishers out there you know i'd I'd argue that my favorite non-invader publisher right now is probably vault i think vault Mm, does all kinds of cool shit and yeah uh, for sure and vault's back there you know in in the other publisher section a lot of publishers have even moved i think it was dark horse recently is now in the second section um i guess they didn't want the premium treatment um i think it's pay you pay for it okay um something like that but i just thought that kind of shit was really interesting so again visibility big 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 check mark um in on the comic publisher side um something else to talk about though with the comic publisher side and and creator rights i want to talk a, bit, a little bit about rights too right so rights yeah, you definitely would like to go to a publisher that retain that lets you retain one hundred percent of the rights. Right, but retaining one hundred percent of the rights doesn't necessarily mean you're going to like make one hundred percent of your part of the money, right? So if you if you sign on to a publisher and they say you get to create keep all your rights, that's great. Just remember that you know there's going to be multiple kinds of rights and there can be multiple sub deals within the publisher agreement. So for example, if you publish the book. You're probably going to get like half of the money once the publisher has covered all costs. So th- this is the kind of stuff to look for, right? Go ahead, I'll, I'll keep yeah. going in a second. Yeah,
1: for sure. So um, with Image specifically, I just I know a little bit more about Image because I, I love that company. And uh, so if you do if you do it under your accord, you're not under like a Skybound or something like that. Mm-hmm. You'd, uh, Image will take their cut. It's they they make their nut back plus like a little bit to help pay for. Um, the amount of workers that they have at Image Central. And then beyond that, you get everything else. Now where they take a cut is the trade paperbacks. So the individual issues, you will get the majority of the money that will be you. So Mm -hmm. they'll do their printing costs and their little fees and you're straight, the rest is you. You sell whatever you sell, you make what you make. Um, When they do the trade paperbacks, they will take their cut. I don't know the percentage of it, but it is higher than when you do the single issues. Any idea
0: on marketing fees? I'm not sure. I'm right. not sure if that's baked into th- their initial cost. Right. I I imagine it might be. You know, because yeah. because the thing about you know when you when you become a student of previews, um, you notice that number ones always get anywhere from one to like five pages. Right. They'll get their own page in previews, and then they will also get breakouts of preview panels sometimes. Okay. And the company's paying for all that. So I would imagine that those would probably kind, kind of get did. baked in. They're gonna yeah. get baked into like what they can recoup. They're just gonna take that first, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then and then after that's all said and done, then you get like half or, or whatever, you know, all. Um, but then there's gonna be some other things out there. So that's like the print rights. The, you keep the property, they don't want any piece of your IP, but they're still splitting money with you on the printing of the book, right? right. And then what you can start to get into is some publishers might have arrangements to, like, shop your shit around. And if they shop your shit around and it gets, like, optioned, there might be some part of the contract where they then keep a percentage of the proceeds from that, even though you keep the IP. So, what again, the publisher doesn't want any rights. They're not claiming to own your shit. But what they are claiming is that because that they brokered this one thing, that they would be entitled to a percentage on that. Right. right. So that yeah, makes sense. You know, again, so there, there's nuances there, but I think, you know, I think those are the two main things to talk about instead of just nitpicking it to death.
1: Right. right? Yeah. And, and something you mentioned to me in the car is uh, profit and when you get it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And that's, that's, go ahead. Yeah. And then like, so, you know, if you're doing your own Kickstarters and stuff like that, you're in charge of it. Yeah. You're putting, you're putting up the cost, cost up front to do everything. Mm-hmm. If you're not the artist and you're paying an artist, which is a huge cost. You know, I'm the artist. So I have to pay my colors and, and add the writer. So it's just like, okay, you have to put that in. You're either paying them up front or you've worked out a deal where you're doing it on the back end. Right. And so the hope is your Kickstarter does very well. It takes off. You make a good amount of money enough to pay your whole creative team plus to pay uh, to pay to print the print the books mm-hmm. and then to actually pay yourself. Yeah. So you know, there's there's that, and the hope is. You, you make gangbusters, and, and you're able to do it on your own because right. it's not unheard of for indie creators to just be like, yeah, this is, this is working out. I'm making good money doing this, and it's mm-hmm. all me, yeah. and so I'm getting 100% of the profit. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you're, you,
0: if, if you're publishing it yourself, guess what? You're the company. Mm-hmm. You're, you're the company that's putting all the costs up, and then it becomes up to you, you know, on what you want to do, right? Like, if hey, if, if you if you do a Kickstarter and that ends up funding so well that you can not only cover your print costs, but you can also, you know, repay the artist or subsidize the next yeah. time you pay for an artist, if you're a writer or whatever, fantastic. Um, and then you just keep on rolling. And I think that's, to me, that's probably the biggest check in the... Um, Publish yourself side, right? Because when it comes to working for a company, the payments are going to come very late, you know? And that's just the nature of the business. You know, a book's going to get solicited and then a book's going to get ordered, and then um, that book is going to get shipped, and it's going to go what's to Diamond. The,
1: what's the time difference there from when it's in like previews to when it is? It three yeah, months. Yeah, I mean,
0: I can I can give you a perfect idea, right? Like by the time this airs, Animals is in previews, right? So hey, if uh, speaking of the whole making comics thing, you you want to you want to hook me up, pre-order Animals through your comic shop, or you know we got a Kickstarter starting in a few weeks for Animals Number One, right? Animals is in the April previews. Okay. We had to submit it, and and the April previews technically hits newsstand. It's going to hit new, newsstands uh, next Wednesday, which will be in the past by the time this airs. So whatever that is, March thirtieth, something like that, March or March twenty eighth, or whatever the fuck it is, right? Thirtieth. Right, yeah, right in the middle of the week, right? So, um, that's the April previews. Okay. We had to submit that to Diamond uh, by February 10th or something like that, right? So it's basically two months from the time you submit to the previews it's in, and then two months from that previews to when it's in comic shops, which will be June. So a total of four months. Yeah, total of four months. But then, you know, when those books ship to Diamond, you then have to invoice Diamond. Diamond has, Diamond then gets a grace period to pay you. I can't remember if they pay publishers like net 30, net 45, net 60, something like that. When I say that, I mean they get, whatever that number is, they get that many days to cut a check to you. Oh, I see. Right? So net, net zero means I give it to you and you pay me. Right. Mm. Net thirty means I invoice you and then I wait up to thirty days to get the check from you. Interesting. So that money's gonna come later, then that money's gonna go to the the, 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 the comic company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that comic company is probably gonna take some time to compile. And then odds are, like this is how it works with my music royalties, I get two royalty statements per year. I get one um, in March and one in September, and that's for the prior June and December period. Oh wow! Well. You you then find out how much you are entitled to, and then you invoice the company. In my case, the record company, but in this case, the comic company. So I don't mean to get too much in no, the minutia. Hopefully, I haven't. Hopefully, I haven't bored good. people. But the the point is, it's going to be a while. So if you do like, your own, what are we start, looking at after all that math? What is that about ten months? Um, I mean, I like theoretically, I would see royalties to animals for a book that hits stores in June, I could technically not see royalties. I could not even have the ability to invoice for royalties until March or April of next year. Oh, right So a nine, my, again, but, and it depends. Some companies may run their books every three months. some yeah. may run them every six, some may run them every year. you know So that's the kind of thing to keep out keep an eye out for. So the the advantage you get is the visibility. And the fact that you can be in any comic shop, right? And and I will say this, simply being in previews gives you leverage to get into a comic shop. Mm-hmm. You know, like, because yeah. that's the thing, too. Like, when your book hits... If if your book's in previews, then hopefully you're trying to arrange something like an in-store signing or anything like that. And, you know, so when your book's in previews, you know, if and when you go through a publisher, that's the month you hit up comic shops in your area. You you probably go to one. Go to your local comic shop, the one you do business at, and be like, hey, this book's coming out in, you know, two months from now. How about we do an in-store? You know, something like that, right? And by being in previews, immediate cachet. The second you're in previews, you carry a lot of weight with what you do just by being there. Or, or people say, can I order You know, I, I had that today at the table, right? Like, the person was like, oh, where can I get, you know, they I like Kadoja Volume 1. Where can I get 2 and 3? I'm like, you can get them through Diamond if that's really what you want to do. Just walk into your local comic shop and say you want Kadoja Volume 2 or Kadoja Volume 3. They can order it for you. Yeah. You know, I mean, you could also get it right here, and then we could cut out the middleman, but that's right. another story, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, so, anyway, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? I mean, those are the basics. Yeah, those are, like, honestly,
1: the larger talking points of, uh, you know, doing it yourself or going through a publisher. So, yeah, there's a lot of benefits of going through the publisher, and mm-hmm. it's just how much do you need those funds instantly? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's that's the large takeaway from this, too. It's yeah. like... Yes, you have more visibility. You know, you have more cachet, and et cetera. But are you good with waiting about nine to ten months mm-hmm. to get paid? And and hopefully you are. Hopefully yeah. this is you know if it's a early on project that you're doing yourself, and and hopefully you have enough save that you're okay with being without yeah. profits on that for a little bit. You
0: know, then then why not? Why not go for it? Yeah. Well, and then and then that that's a great point. But another thing might be like, okay, I've gone through a publisher is there a way for me to make money sooner than that? Hell yes, there is, you know. It, it depends on which publisher you're dealing with and I don't really know how, you know, a lot of publishers work, but hopefully, that publisher gives you the opportunity to get some of your books at a discount, right? Because mm, if you yeah. can do that, then you can just buy copies of your own books so that you can get, that, get out there and hustle hard, right? right. And that's the thing, too, like as 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 lovely as as we would like to say it is the hustle starts when you sign with the publisher you know like you need to hustle hard yeah um so hopefully you're out there at shows you're out there doing all this stuff you're figuring out a way to get hold of your own books whatever that is and Mm. go from there and like sell them now some publishers i believe actually now i can think of one in particular that i'm not going to name they they may not give you the option to, to, to like buy your own books and sell them so but yeah. but they may give you the option of like I want to go to this library or this whatever or this store can you send a whole bunch of books to this store so that I can do the signing and then they will right again yeah. it's record labels are the same sometimes they let you buy your stuff and sometimes they don't and you're just there to kind of make money and try to get that recoupable money so that you can start you know getting in the black and seeing some royalties on your own right on yeah. Hey, we cool. did it! World's did best you, cup of coffee. We made it. World's the best cup.
1: Did you do the second email? The second thing that you did? oh, did that you was baked that no, in?
0: I, I did not bake that in. But that's okay. a good thing. Yeah, that was a question from I did look it up from Nicholas Slover, who um, who I think did some accountability stuff with us. And I, I just answered this this morning, but we wanted to share it for everybody's benefit. Um, and the general question, without me cheating from my notes or from actually reading it or anything, is if I submit a book to a publisher what is a good amount of time to wait before it's considered a pass, right? And there's a couple variants to that answer. The number one variant is, the easiest answer to say is, whatever they say on their site, Mm -hmm. right? Because odds are they will tell you. They will say, hey, if you don't hear from us in 30 days, it's a pass, you know? Um, But let's just, let's say that for whatever reason, they don't give numbers, I think, you know, like, the answer that I gave Nicholas was five weeks. My hunch is that in the comics world, the answer is probably a month. But in publishing, if nobody gives an answer, if they just say, you know, send me, uh, I'm, I'm an agent and send me your manuscript, and that's it. And they don't give you a standard time. The standard time for agents is six weeks. Okay. Now, the book publishing industry is a lot more competitive with a lot more people submitting a lot more work. I think, than the comics industry. But uh, but I think... So that's why I'm kind of splitting the difference between four and six, and I'm just saying five. I think that's fair. I mean, life happens. Yeah. These people, th- this is their job, just like we all have jobs, right? So um, just know that, that I think... I think five is a pretty good grace period before you can comfortably say, no, I'm. I think I'm ready to move on, and I guess that didn't work out this time. Mm-hmm. And then you make the next comic and do it all again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hey, so we did it. We did it. Bullshit.
1: Do you have some? Oh, there's so much. Yeah? Yeah, man. It was just like, I got off the drugs, and then I got that little taste back, and then I was just full on, you know... Oh, yeah. Selling my body for comics. Okay. And that's... Yeah, man. it It was crazy. And you can watch it happen, or listen to it happen on the air... Because Keith was talking about Avengers 267. 67? Yeah, I think I have
0: that right. Actually, here it is right here.
1: Yeah, so Keith was talking about Avengers 267, which is the first appearance of the Council of Kings. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm looking that up right now. So I got a copy. Yeah. And then I got a second copy. What? Yeah, I bought two copies. Was the price good on the set? Uh, 25 Wow. Twenty five. So I got, so I got right. two copies for 25 a piece. And so it's just kind of like, all right, well, what else is out there? And it was just this chain effect of me looking up shit, and based on a i con- I'm not gonna, actually not going to say, because I'm hunting them now, mm-hmm. and so I don't need any extra competition. So I'm hunting a couple of other things. I was able to take that off of my eBay saved list, yeah. so I wasn't getting the notifications in the morning anymore about it. And there was another... It was an uncanny X-Men. It's the cover where Cyclops and Havoc are, are blasting each other on the cover, and it's uh, Liliandra's first appearance. Mm-hmm. And I just have a feeling about it. I'm like, X-Men haven't debuted yet in yeah. the MCU. Um, space is huge with, like, Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor and shit. Mm-hmm. I can see, you know, Lil' Leandra showing up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, why not? Yeah. And honestly, I think I have one or two other copies of that book. Mm-hmm. So I got another copy, and I'm like, okay, stop it. Yeah. Like, you, this, you need to take this off your list now. Yeah. You locked in another one and so that needs to go but then it's just like this chain effect of other little things that i'm looking for i ended up um, purchasing i don't know if i maybe i mentioned this on the last episode um, i had i got a flex metallo sitting in my mm-hmm. yeah my watch list so i bought that and so it's just like all these little things that i'm picking up and it's just like dude i need to chill out yeah. but uh, yeah my ebay watch list has expanded
0: okay sure. okay yeah so so let's see in terms of what i got the lesser important thing is that I bought, so no comics. I think I have I have hit a clearing in comics. And I think it's just because, you know, like, I'm keeping my eye on a lot of these Fantastic Fours, you know, in the first hundred issues that I'm interested in. But none of them are even close to a price where I want to jump on it. Mm. You know, like, I'm keeping my eye on it, but then all of a sudden the price will rocket up. I'm like, nope, fuck it. That's not why I'm here. Not why I'm here. Right? Yeah. Not why I'm here. Um, but what I did do is I bought yet another MF Doom record. So that was yesterday, so I continue to like round out my MF doom collection. I continue to listen to MF doom like all the fucking time. It was a soundtrack to our drives everywhere, although it was at very low volume mm-hmm. you know um, but but that's not that's not the big story um, and this 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 part of bullshit it's a little bit of a surprise for you um, but not the biggest surprise because you sort of got a taste of it last night, okay. I bought a drum machine. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So it, that's it right over there. I haven't even taken it out of the box. You see that shoebox looking yeah, thing yeah. over there? Yeah. That's what yeah. I thought it was. That's a Roland SP-404. Okay. It is a sampling drum machine. Um, I, so this, this is part of this whole, so I'm trying to think of how it worked. It started with this, this current absolute, you know, just obsession with hip-hop. And then... It, it got onto, you know, like, when I think of hip-hop, I think of making the beats. It's like, you know, look, I, I did basement hip-hop for years, and then that basement hip-hop turned into live hip-hop, which was a funk band, with me rhyming, and then that turned into an actual funk band, because I stopped rhyming. But I always made beats, you know? Like, I've always loved making beats. And so I was... I sort of arrived at this idea, and then, you know, you, you start reading about how these current hip-hop records were made, the MF Doom records, you know, um, a couple other current artists that are really popular. And and you just get into this idea of, like, the sampling drum machine, which has kind of been the foundation of hip-hop for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. And I told my wife, I'm like, I want to buy a drum machine. I want to buy a sampling drum machine. And the reason why I want to buy a sampling drum machine is because I want to have something that I do that is just for me, you know. Like, and and over the years, I have had turns at doing things like working with my hands. Right, I tried to. I did like a, I created a stencil and did this piece of art where I like spray painted over the stencil. It was like a thing of Gordon Lou. It was like a stencil head of Gordon Lou, and then I did this whole thing and made art. I've I've just done like random dumb little things like painting vinyl finger uh, figures and yeah. things like this. And so fingers, like, yeah, and fingers, vinyl fingers, whatever. I'm not weird. You're weird, you know. <laughs> um, you're weird if you think that's weird. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, but then I was thinking about it. I'm like, you know, I love you know to to love making beats is to also love like pads and knobs and shit yeah. on drum machines. And so I have I have a program on my iPad that I've had for years. That's why you got the tease of it because yeah. when you walked in last night what was I doing? I was making a beat. Yeah. And you were like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Making a beat." And I'm like, "You'll know more about this over the weekend, right?" Mm. And uh but but like making a beat on an iPad just isn't as fun as tapping pads and turning knobs and shit like that. Yeah. And so um so yeah, I just I I wanted to get this because I wanted to have a place that's just a playground, you know? And knowing me, it won't be long before like I figure out You're a way to put those things online yeah. and, and I figure out a way to upload an album of beats to Spotify through the accounts I have under a right. different name and all and that. And start that's, using it for your Kadoja soundtracks yeah, your and your Protector protectors. That's who I am. And, but right now yeah. what I want to do is I want to play and I want to use it as a way to like sample this cool record collection I have and just make beats and just play and and have something I do in my life that does not have like an actual goal to it. You know right, what I mean? Like yeah. and and I think I think there's I find that very soul-nourishing in my own way. You know, I've got I've got comics. I've got writing. I've got things that I love doing, but that also have an ulterior like career goal yeah. of, like, I'd love to do a career in them. And it's like, why the fuck not just do something? It doesn't have a goddamn goal. It's so hard to, to have something like that when yeah. you're so um,
1: goal-oriented. If yeah. you're a goal-oriented person, it's hard for you. Or I know for me specifically, let me speak for me, is when I figure out something else I can do in art, yeah. my brain goes, how can I apply this to comics? Yeah. How can I apply this to a goal? How can I sell this? And it's just like, it's something my brain does and it's hard to turn off. But I, I understand because, like, um, for instance, like, I want to learn how to play the ukulele. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to do a band. I don't want to do anything. I just want to learn how to play it. So yeah. that's kind of the one thing that I want to do. That's just for me. Yeah, you know, and like for my girlfriend or something to play or something. And Hell yeah, you know, like that's that's just something I want to do. Yeah. Um, I'll do the same thing.
0: I'll play my wife like a dope beat, and she's like, cool. How you how you feeling, girl? <laughs> exactly. You, you can get into it right now, can't you? You can kind of like stroll along to it, you know. So no, but I, I again, I think I think there is a lot of value in that. Yeah. And I'm sure. and I'm excited to just explore. I mean, again, you walked in last night while I was just, I was making a beat because I fucking wanted to, yeah. you know, and, um, and I can't wait to just keep on doing that and just have that be just this fun activity. It's like my gardening, right? Like, yeah. like there is a lot of therapy to just having this shit. That's just, I want to do it because I want to do it and I don't have a goal. Mm-hmm. It's just the goal is actually performing the activity. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that was pretty much all I had yeah me too yeah yeah so fuck it let's uh, let's wrap it up let's let's actually have a clean one for a while that may be less than an hour and a half It's probably way less but we have we can't check the time because we're recording. So you can find me on Instagram at Keith underscore invader. That is me posting photos of like me doing stuff of course all the books I do, maybe even some of the books I'm reading and, uh, and plenty of 76ers things if you get to my story I'm sure if they won. They lost I'm probably not posting shit to my story. (laughs) Um so anyway, um and then you can find me on the web uh, at KeithRFoster.com. That is um that has my books, which is Kadoja, that is giant monsters meet HP Lovecraft, and Three Protectors, which is Kung Fu in Space. Of course there's a store there where you can check out all those things and coming soon is animals. So more to come on animals as we get closer to it. (laughs) You said more to come on
1: animals. That sounds, like, weird. Anyway. You're weird. <laughs> yeah. I'm just talking. You're talking about coming on animals. <laughs> I'm just talking. No, you're inferring. Yes. I'm just talking. Uh, you could find me at Scott Lost, S-E-O-T-T-L-O-S-T, on Twitter and Instagram, facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. You can pick up my books at accidentalaliens.com, Second Shift, Minimum Wage Superheroes at Night, Nope, that's wrong. I've been drinking. Hey, look at you.
0: Minimum wage superheroes. We know how you're reading the bourbon. Yes. yes.
1: (laughs) And Wanderers of Melisande, anthropomorphic dinosaurs versus humans. And yes, that's the thing we need to do before we completely get out of here. Um, What is this called again? Bullet? Bullet. It's B-U-L-L-E-I-T-T. Bullet. Mm. Mm -hmm. I give it a seven. Okay. It's solid. It's not the toppity-top, top, but it's mm-hmm. not low. Yeah. Seven, solid.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I've given this around... A, a, I, I did a couple... Maybe last week or a couple weeks ago. I did an... My rating is based on overall value. Yeah. Which is like, I think when you bake in overall... It's kind of like In-N-Out, right? Like, is In-N-Out the best burger you've ever had? Well, actually, it might be, right? But but prob- probably it isn't. It's not high-grade. Probably not. No. But the point is, you bake in the price. Come at me, bro. Right. You know, like, the price... And, and, and how good it is basically make it a, a, an 11 on the value scale. Right. Like, like you can't get a burger like that for a price like that. You just can't. Yeah. Um. And so I think that's kind of how I feel about bullet. And that's why I give it like a seven an a half and eight, something like that. Right. Yeah. The, the value is baked in. It's a, it's a huge bottle for a, you know, a lower price than you're going to get a good bottle of something half the size, you know, and, and there's a place for all that. Right. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with having just a great value bourbon that you can knock back and feel pretty good about. Yeah, so if you give it
1: an 8, I give it a 7. We'll meet in a half. So yeah. seven and a half, not bad. Kaboom. And uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can contact us at makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com.
0: Mm-hmm. There are only two L's and two T's in Bullet Bourbon, but there are five stars in the Making Comics podcast. So uh, so make sure that you make that happen, right? So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, throw five stars to your boys. It helps. It helps spread yep. the word. We love it. We thank you eternally for it. And, of course, hey, we also thank you for listening, because if you've gotten this far, then you've gotten pretty deep in the episode. Yeah. So, hey guys, we really mean this. Like, if we've talked to you, we've given you advice...
1: You contacted us on our social media. All you gotta do is give us five stars. That's it. We haven't seen these new reviews. Like I'm calling you guys out. Like I've, I've <laughs> talked to someone on Instagram and said how much they they said how much they love the podcast and we helped them so much and I yeah. was like, thank you, give us five stars, seriously. Yeah. And he goes, we'll do. Never came in. Shots fired. Shots fired. I'm not <laughs> saying you by name yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I won't say you by name. I'm not a complete dick. Yeah. But seriously, just do it. It costs you nothing yeah. but a little bit of your time. Not yeah. a lot. I
0: mean, and we said very that. little. And we have said that, right? There's an order of operations. The thing we love the most is if you buy our books. The thing we also love if you don't have the money to spend, we totally get it. Throw us the review, man. 5. Yep. Five it. You know, five you know, stars. You know the deal. They named Fiverr after our stars. There's a whole company that's generated around artistic uh, ventures, right? That's just Fiver. based. That's based on and and like the reason they went with Fiverr is because making Comax Podcaster not as fun, not as catchy. No, right? Like, I mean, again, they had plenty of people sit in a boardroom and think this shit out, and that was like that was like number two. It really lost in like the tournament final to <laughs> Fiverr <laughs> making Comax Podcaster, right? So anyway, so throw us five. You know the deal. And uh, and hey, I'll see you next week. Yay.
1: yay.